Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. This year's advanced typography class at Toronto Metropolitan University had the chance to sit down with two talented voices in type. The first of whom, George Gomez, you'll hear in this episode. In the next 45 minutes, you'll learn about George and his work today, as well as his design origin story that started with graffiti. You'll hear how he's doubled down on setbacks in his life and use them as powerful catalysts for growth, including the ways in which he's faced prejudice in his ascent through school and into this industry. George now works with BIPOC-owned brands through his company, The Money Studio, to help them preserve their culture. And he discusses the ways in which different types of projects like painting murals and brand strategy have intersected and spawn new projects. George shares his use of design thinking and math, yes, math, when painting murals, how he said yes before he was ready, and the ways in which his family plays an integral role in his work. This episode is co-hosted by advanced type student Katrina Javier. Let's listen in. All right. So thank you, everyone, for being here today. I'm really excited to have a guest here uh, with us, as you know. And I also have Katrina here from our class who is helping me co-host. So welcome, George. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Welcome, George. (laughs) So maybe a, a good place to start is reading your bio. So George Gomez is a brand strategist and graffiti writer based out of Inglewood, California. With a keen understanding of urban landscapes, he's able to implement his design process to every surface he paints. I love that. I love that. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work uh, and kind of diving into that, those, those parts of what you do. Yeah, well, I feel like uh, I could kind of start off where little bit from the beginning. <laughs> I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, and then my parents migrated to Inglewood uh, when I was about one. Um, and yeah, um, that's currently where I reside as well with my partner, Susie. Um, we've been together for about 11 years now. We have a beautiful 15-month-old daughter um, and then three big old dogs. The oldest one is Bugatti. And we have his wife, Kitana, and his daughter, Beretta. Um, I've been producing work under my company, The Money Studio, for probably two and a half years now. Um, and we solely focus on branding for BIPOC-owned businesses. Um, and we kind of strive to encourage businesses and companies to um, tell their story and really help them preserve the, their culture. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been a venture for the last two and a half years. Uh, I, I'm used to, I was used to working nine to fives, uh, used to always starting way at the bottom, usually getting hired to not really even do graphic design and somehow always making my way to 
to my what I'm comfortable doing. Um, but then I guess there came a time where I was kind of tired of making other people rich. And I was like, I need to figure out how to do this for myself. <laughs> I love that. And you're, it sounds like your house is a very busy house. Like I have, <laughs> I have one dog, two kids, but yeah. the three dogs is like, <laughs> it's throwing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be a lot sometimes, but luckily they're pretty well behaved as well. <laughs> Excellent. And so, yeah, I'm, I, how did you get into, uh, into graffiti and into kind of that style of art and design and that whole side of things? Um, I think when I was in fifth grade, I saw one of my friends had a sketch in his notebook and I was really it just got my attention right away I was like what is that and he's like graffiti and it was a new word for me and he just simply told me it says my name well my nickname he was a short little kid so it's a shorty and um he's like my cousin my uncle from his name is fuzz from the CSM crew which is a pretty pretty prolific crew in Inglewood and he did it. And I was like, that's cool. Can you do my name? Um, and the rest is kind of history. I was just immediately addicted. You know, I, I would copy it over and over. If you went into my room, my desk, you know, was covered in graffiti, my all my binders, um, my soccer ball, my basketball, my walls, it just kind of quickly took over my life. And it and it didn't it wasn't until I was like in um a sophomore in high school that I met an actual graffiti writer. Um, and before then, I thought graffiti was just based on gangs, you know, in my neighborhood, like, that's kind of like the only connection I could make. Either you were a, someone, someone in fifth grade asked me, are you a crip or a blood? And, and I just, I didn't know what that meant. He just said, do you like blue or red? And I was like, well, I like blue. He's like, I guess you're a crip. <laughs> and that's kind of but it was, it was like that that was the innocence of it and when i finally met another graffiti writer in 10th grade he kind of introduced me to the whole underground culture of it and um he he started kind of showing me you know websites and blogs that i could check out to, so i could get better um and telling me about certain artists and certain crews that are really prolific in los angeles and he was the first one as well to take me to go paint a my first graffiti piece at Venice Beach. Um, and I I think, you know, it didn't take long before I was eventually kind of venturing off and doing it on the streets and taking the Metro bus all over Los Angeles to go witness, you know, graffiti pieces and find places to do graffiti. Um, you could assume that a little 15, 16 year old kid, like it's, it's not very likely you're going to find places to do legal graffiti but if you're passionate about something you're going to find any means of doing it um and also it didn't take very long before I got busted for the first time and that was kind of an eye-opener um and you know most people would kind of drop everything and quit after that and it kind of did the complete opposite effect on me it made me want to go paint more it, it kind of gave me some notoriety you know, like, okay, I did it. I got caught. How could I keep doing it and not get caught? It's almost like cat and mouse game. Um, and yeah, it kind of introduced me to like the world of painting freight trains, which are, you know, boxcars, trains that travel all over North, North America. Um, and I think, you know, I, I got highly addicted to it up until I started going to 
to, to school to college um but I don't know growing up I didn't really think of myself as going to college um I, I didn't really have this self-image of I'm gonna be successful I'm gonna chase a career I I was kind of you know I felt dumb you know I I've kind of felt like I, I played on that image for a long time um I kind of didn't have a stable home around like middle school so that also kind of amplified me to gravitate towards graffiti you know you could assume that like a, a troubled kid would go do troubling things um but I think in my senior year I took a graphic design course and it wasn't much of a graphic design course it was I like to think of it as an art class you know we we're doing a lot of drawing um and it was kind of one of those prerequisites that you just people just take kind of like woodshop where everybody in class is just messing around. Um, nobody's taking it seriously. Um, but I was really cool with my teacher and he genuinely liked me and he would encourage me to just keep pursuing art. And I told him, hey, I, I want to be a graphic designer. And he's like, I think you'd be great. And that was kind of like the only little boost of morale that I needed. You know, I had nobody else had told me I could be anything. Um, and I joined a trade school for a four-year graphic design program. And it was kind of like the only school that would take me because I didn't, I didn't have the grades for it. You know, most kids at my school, um, they were prepping for it since they were like in eighth grade. So all of my friends are going to UCs and private universities and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I started this graphic design course when I was like 17 um, and quickly realized that just because I was good at drawing, it didn't make me a good designer. I just had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had never even heard of these Adobe programs. So like in every single class, I was so behind and I it was taking me a lot to catch up. And that was another thing too, where I kind of realized that, you know, I was kind of getting dismissed by a lot of the teachers. Um, I was getting set to the side. A lot of it had to do with the way I looked. Um, there wasn't many people in my class that looked like me, not many like Latinx people. Um, and we weren't fitting kind of like the preppy design aesthetic uh, that at the time, a lot of designers kind of conveyed. So it was really discouraging. And then they kind of shut me down really hard in front of like the whole graphic design class one time. And they were basically telling me they quit, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not taking this seriously enough. And that made me just completely um, switch my perspective around that, you know, most people would kind of get broken down and again, just quit. But it was kind of like when I first got busted for graffiti, you know, I was kind of like, no, like it's going to push me to be better and get better. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I started just diving really deeply into books and magazines. And um, it's something that I tell other people that aspire to want to be designers. I tell them, find a graphic designer, learn everything about them then find another one learn everything about them and that's kind of what I was doing on my own so by the time I graduated you know I, I like to think I was one of the top students and I was um also one of the few that had work experience um I had worked at actual uh studios before I had done internships I had done a lot of freelancing too um and legitimate too because I know a lot of people in school do design works for their friends and stuff like that. Like, no, I was designing for clients and I was learning how to manage that back end of stuff. Um, I've always kind of had this kind of entrepreneurship boss mentality since I was a little kid, you know, like selling candies at school type of mentality. 
Um, and so when I graduated, I was like destined and motivated to like find a job quickly. And that did not happen, you know? Um, and even with the help of one of my teachers who's, who's still, I still keep in contact with her. Her name is Annan Koji. And she, I look at her as my mentor. Um, she got me into a lot of prestigious studios to get interviewed. Um, and that was great, you know? Um, but even then, at the time, I couldn't put two and two together as to like why I wasn't getting the jobs. I was getting, you know, they would give me props on my portfolio and I had her recommendation, which was like already amazing. But I think at the time I heard it more than once and I couldn't grasp what this meant, but they kept telling me that I wasn't a culture fit. And it wasn't until years later that I kind of figured like what that meant. And it kind of came back down to the same idea of like, oh, it's because of the way I look and talk, you know? Um, and it, I guess I was able to put the pieces together because I think about like me walking to the studio, the type of people that were there, the environment, the language they were talking, the fact that I didn't come from a prestigious school didn't really help. Um, so all these little factors. Um, but then, you know, a few months later, I kind of, I landed a, a really cool gig and it was working at an advertising agency and they were, they were a startup, but I was working under Jimmy Smith, who's one of like the most prominent um, people in advertisement. And when I went in there, like it was a really, that was like, oh wait, I fit into this culture because everyone that I was working with was, you know, a bunch of BIPOC peeps. They were black, brown, Asian, like everyone had crazy backgrounds, crazier than my backgrounds, you know? And it just felt, I felt so comfortable. And I was like, okay, this is possible. Like I can work with a bunch of people that walk, talk and look like me. And also be a successful, like, like Jimmy Smith is like one of the top people, you know, in advertisement. And he's like a black man, you know, he's like, I don't know, he's super tall, big dreads, and he would come into work every day wearing basketball shorts and a tee, you know, but yet, like, he was, I would see nothing but like famous people from the industry come in and like bowing down to him. And so that was really also encouraging, you know, I got to actually talk to him on a, free, on a creative note and work with them all in one. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, and after that, you know, I, I jumped around a lot, you know, I worked at different design studios, um, I got to work with like architects and interior designers down to like blue collar jobs, like working at a silkscreen shop, a sign shop, um, and even other nonprofits. Um, and like I mentioned, I, that's my last job was a nonprofit kind of doing anything related to communications. And after that, I was kind of like, I think I could start doing this for my own. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. What a great story. It had so many rises and falls. I was, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. And I mean, I think your grittiness as a, a designer and as a human being um, is so commendable. And it's it's great. Like, I, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. The next kind of question I have for you, and maybe this is a, um, a good segue from what you were saying about representation and being able to see yourself in the other people who are working around you. How do you approach the work so that you're designed to impact important socio-political matters, which is something you mentioned? How does this impact the projects that you choose to take on in the overall process? That was a muddled question, but hopefully you got the essence. No, no. Yeah, I definitely get it. Um, you know, that's exactly what I used to strive for, you know, when I first started working for myself. But at the same time, I was still figuring out exactly, you know, 
pretty much had to simplify that. Like, what did I really mean, you know, by working on projects that impact social political matters? And as a graffiti writer, you're like naturally an activist. You're naturally a, a rebel, right? And so that always transcended into my work. Um, just now, I'm kind of getting over the fact of feeling like putting my work out there or even selling my work to make some money. You know, that feeling of like feeling, I guess, like a, like a sellout. You know, that was really big for many years on my end. And so initially I came up with that phrase because I thought to myself, OK, cool. Like if I'm going to produce work and if I'm going to make money of it out of it, I need to be able to give give some of that money back to a bigger cause. Um, and just like using my skill set, you know, to, to for things that I believe in and whatever case that may be. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, the end of uh, 2022 when I kind of was able to like figure out and really step back, you know, because I, like all of 22, I was extremely busy with work. I was blessed with a lot of work and I couldn't really stop and really look at what I was really doing or how it was impacting, you know, my community um, and the and my uh, my clients as well. So. I stepped back and I realized, okay, what I'm actually trying to do, it's like, I'm trying to amplify my community. I'm trying to give them a voice, you know, like, and I do that so much better when I am working with, you know, BIPOC owned businesses or, you know, allies as well. Um, because like, I, I do work with people from all types of backgrounds and right. My ultimate goal too, when I kind of started working in 2022 was really trying to help out my my community where I live right now in Inglewood, which is, um, you know, when I grew up in Inglewood, it used to be considered the hood, you know, like there's still certain parts of it that are, but then a few years back, um, they started building out, um, I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but the SoFi Stadium. And it's a, it's a big, you know, a big stadium where they host major events. And for that reason, um, they started building out other stadiums and they they build out like a huge mall and uh, uplifted a whole uh, horse racetrack and a casino. Um, and, you know, a lot of people saw that and like, great, you know, jobs are coming to town. And yeah, I see that. But then I also saw like a dramatic change. I already figured like my city's going to be running the risk of gentrification and home displacement. And sure enough, you know, like that, those are some of the issues going on right now. And two blocks from my house is kind of like the, you know, like a probably two mile radius of um, Latinx owned businesses, you know, traditional mom and pop shops that are down the street from the stadium. I, I live like five minutes away and I see how all of them are at risk of just, you know, getting bought out because there's a lot of landlords that are being greedy right now. You know, I have friends and family that are being direct, like directly hit by this stuff. And so that's when I decided like, okay, if I work, I want to work with companies within my community to, again, like help them preserve their culture because I noticed that, um, you know, people care when their stories are being told. And so if I'm able to put their stories out there for the world to see, um, and really help them amplify them, then, you know, these companies might second guess on just trying to go ahead and pretty much step on all these little businesses instead of just like acknowledging like, oh, they exist. People know they exist. People support them. Let me try to work with them. Um, so I'm not trying to, you know, 
step on big companies and big brands, uh, because I do see how some of them are incorporating, um, you know, trying to help out the community and trying to do the same thing that I'm doing. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of these little companies and businesses don't get left behind simply because of the whole development that's going on. And so I do, you know, the people that I decide to work with now, um, I, I only work with them if our values align. You know, I think when I first started, I would just take any job because I like we got to, you know, keep a roof and uh, over our heads and like keep keep the babies fed. But um, now it's like, OK, sometimes it's not worth it. You know, like, am I really going to destroy my values in, or, in order to get a dollar? And like, I don't think it's worth it because the times that I felt like I've done that, it's actually hurt me in the long run, you know, um, I might meet someone important six months from now and it, they're the ideal customer, but they found out that I worked with this company who has actually been hurting the community and they're quickly to dismiss me, you know? Um, and I don't know, it's just a thing of values. I, I'm a big person that I, I put loyalty like really high up. And I think that's something that my customers and my community really acknowledges about me. Uh, that that's why they feel comfortable talking to me you know they feel comfortable coming back to me and to keep working with me yes oh my gosh thank you for like sharing that that's very very inspiring and clearly you've like grown like this passion for your for like what you do and that you've turned it into a business the money studio um which specializes in like three different areas right so was there like a specific area from like branding lettering murals that you personally like like to work with a lot that you prefer to work on a lot more um you know what ever since like i came across or learned about you know designing logos and just branding in school like well branding was such a small subject in school they mostly focus on like logos you know just designing a logo um and maybe the collateral and some packaging so i just gravitated towards it i just found myself being so good at it i found myself being able to like do the most for that specific um those specific type of projects um and it's something that i always kind of pursued you know throughout my career um but it wasn't until i think in probably two years ago a year and a half ago that i was like okay i need to solely focus in on branding this is something that i'm do find myself that it, I won't say that it comes easy because there's times that like i still have trouble you know coming up with solutions and um but I guess the challenge is it's what really catches my attention. And then I started learning about brand strategy and then how that even helps you even more, you know, with developing a company and really helping them achieve their goals. Um, so that's why I kind of decided to specialize, you know, you know, on brand strategy and branding overall. Um, but the funny thing is that, you know, I started my personal Instagram only like a year and a half ago or something like that. And I, I needed to find a space to put my artwork up, you know, and also just a place where I could post like pictures of my family and not so much like have to feel, you know, the pressure of writing all this intricate copy and all of this stuff. Like if I just want to post a picture of like Susie and I and our daughter, like, great, I could do that, you know, um, and the money studio wasn't that like I couldn't just do that. You know, I needed to focus in on just our services. And the second that I kind of started putting my personal work out there. I started getting a lot of leads for design work. You know, a lot of people would kind of be like, oh, your artwork is really great. Like, 
would you happen to know anybody or do you do logos and websites? And I'd be like, yeah, actually, you know, let's talk. And surprisingly, that's how a lot of my leads come through. Um, so that that's also been a great lead generator. And I can't say specifically that like, you know, I like branding more than painting murals. It's like, like, I, I think you mentioned it earlier when you introduced me, it's like, I, I like, I really implement my design thinking into all of these different areas. Um, of course, there's different steps to these, all these different things, like for uh, designing a logo or strategy or painting a wall. But I think at the end of the day, it's like everything that I do has design thinking behind it in order to make everything go a little bit smoother. Isn't it so funny how our passion projects end up coming full circle. I mean, I've talked to many creatives and many designers about this very topic. And for me, it's true as well as all of a sudden, when you can look outside of your day job, and just work on stuff that you are passionate about working on, all of a sudden, people, get, not always, but people can become interested because it's a true reflection of kind of your your purest form of creativity. So I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of my clients are just like, great, you should paint a, a a mural or something on one of our walls and then I go and I meet them and they're just like so is this all you do I'm like well no I'm a brand strategist this is my company and they're like tell me more you know and we start talking and then boom there goes a, a great business relationship you know and eventually you know that, uh, what I've liked about you know doing branding is that eventually after we get the whole brand intact and we we know how we're going to be trying to tackle you know these problems that that arise eventually all these other little cool projects come about you know uh painting a mural might be one of them you know with that being like your favorite thing actually let me ask this um so because you do have like your own personal like favorite um like sorry let me reword that like your own like personal projects that you enjoy but you also have like your business so my question is, do you have like a favorite like passion project? And then do you also have a favorite, like, I guess, brand strategy project that you've done? You know what? Like, as far as like, I can't really pimp. I, like, I, I like the projects I'm working on right now and the clients I'm working with right now. Um, for example, you know, one of my clients is Nations Lab. They're a martial arts training facility. And I actually I, I started working with them because I started going there. You know, I'm one of his clients as well. Uh, it's led by coach Carnation Contreras. And I remember starting there and telling myself, this is a place where I, I'm going to come and not talk about business, think about business. And eventually we just started this really cool relationship. And eventually, again, he found out what I did. And he was one of those people that like, hey, I want a mural in my facility. And I was like, I started, you know, as a brand strategist, like you have to ask questions. Um, and that's generally how we I start everything. You know, I just start by asking questions. And I was like, why do you need this? Why right now? And eventually a full circle came around and he realized he needed to get his brand intact before we even think about painting some random mural in this place. Um, and, you know, we worked on his brand strategy. We redid his brand identity. And then you know, I thought now we're going to do a cool mural. But then after going through this whole strategy, it turns out that like now I'm helping him with this business development. And that's like a whole nother thing where like I wasn't doing that. You know, uh, it's something that I've done, I guess, here and there, but never really been aware of it. Um, but 
it's like consulting. And that's, that's something that like now I'm diving deep into and I'm like, I want to go back to school to do business development classes, you know, so I could get better at it. And like, I'm constantly reading. So that's another topic that I'm like educating myself in right now. Um, so that's like, that's one project that kind of did a whole shift, you know, in, in my perspective and approach to things. And then I have another client um, who's Paleteria El Paraíso, and they're like a traditional Mexican ice cream shop. And again, that's that started because I was scouting for walls in a neighborhood to paint a mural for Pepsi. And he was interested, but then turns out Pepsi paint, uh, picked another wall. And I was like, I don't know, something about this person. I was like, his name is Leo Romero. I was like, something about Leo it seems like really cool and genuine. Let me just keep in contact with him. And eventually a whole circle, we did a whole circle back around to like, discovering that he needed to really solidify his brand and like learn how to share that story that um he, that his family's been building since like 1979 um and so again we worked on his strategy we worked on his brand identity and now we're doing so many other cool little projects you know like we're working on like building out his overall experience because he he does a lot of pop-ups at events and like big music festivals so we're just like okay, let's work on that. Like, what do the visuals for that look like? Um, like, what, what does your stand look like? You know, what do your uniforms look like? And so we're building out all these little things and all this cool merch. And it's like, I love doing that stuff, you know, because like, it, it just feels great to be able to be involved all the way from the beginning. I know his story just, you know, just as good as he knows it. Um, and it makes every project that we work on so much smoother and then as far as like painting murals you know um I think I'm always like a big fan of like the last mural that I painted <laughs> the last one was uh I painted um the word esperanza well the phrase said sueña con esperanza which means dream with hope um and I painted that as a tribute to Susie's grandmother um because you know Susie grew up with her grandmother in Mexico on and off throughout her childhood and she instilled a lot of like discipline and really great values that whenever I see her you know doing great at work you know doing amazing things like with our with our dogs and especially our baby like I kind of see where she gets those things from now you know and so I always wanted to do a tribute to that and Another reason that I love it so much was because even to get that wall where I painted it was it didn't happen overnight. It's something that like happened over four years. You know, uh, I used to drive her to work and I would always see this rooftop and I'd be like, that would be a great place to paint something. Um, and it wasn't until like a year later that I grew the courage to go and try to find the owner or someone responsible that would give me permission to go up there and paint it. And um we know we went back and forth for a few weeks and then COVID hit <laughs> and then everything was shut down. And so I took a long pause for all of 2020, 2021 came around and it was kind of like just focus on work, you know, and it wasn't until the end of 2022 that I was like, okay, like something internally felt right. And I felt really confident about doing it because it's not like a regular size wall. It's really, really big. And it's on a rooftop where I have a small space to actually stand and work as well. And so I'm not able to kind of stand back and really look at what I'm looking. I have to stay within close range. And 
is also time restrictions on everything that I do, you know, especially a lot of the murals that I paint, probably like 90% of them are free. I'm paying for them. It's out of my pocket. So I think when I was younger, you know, a few years back and my responsibility, responsibilities weren't as crazy, I was able to just be like, hey, Susie, I'm painting this weekend, just letting you know. Uh, and I would kind of take off and do it, you know, and now it's like, I got to keep Susie's schedule in mind. I got to make sure that like I'm home at a certain time to help out with, with our daughter, with the dogs. Um, I have to do a lot of prep work beforehand. I have to make sure that I don't have any meetings that weekend. And you could imagine trying to condense a really big project into like two days, you know, and really prep accordingly to it. And this is where like the design thinking comes into play, um, where people are like, how did you do that? I'm like, a lot of budgeting, a lot of time management, and a lot of math. And I think, you know, people don't think about that portion of, of things, you know, uh, to try to paint something at that biggest scale really quickly. You got to do a lot of math, really understand uh, grid systems and all of those things. Um, and then um, another thing, it's like last year, I had my very first art show. Um, I, I never really thought I'd have an art show, you know, because primarily I don't look at myself as an artist. Like I'm a designer first and foremost, um, simply because like I mentioned, I put design thing into everything I do. I, everything I do is like with purpose, with a strong message behind it. It's not really um, just like a, I don't know, a personal expression, you know, like it, um, it, it's way bigger and deeper than that every single time that I produce something. And luckily I, I, was, I was given the opportunity to um, produce my first art show at an architecture studio here in Inglewood with some um, principals that I've been building that relationship with them for you know five years or so, and they they're the principals uh, principal architects at Arrow Collective here in Inglewood, um, and they reached out to me. You know, uh, we've never actually formally worked together; we just know each other. And they were like, "Hey, um, Inglewood is having an art walk." Uh, that's put together by Inglewood Open Studios. And are you interested in doing something here? And I, I said, yes. But in the back of my head, I was like, what are you thinking? You don't even have any artwork, you know? Um, my artwork resides on walls and, and freight trains that are traveling the country. I, I've never really sat down to, or it's like logos and brand identities and stuff like that. Then I'm like, what am I going to do, you know? And then I had a really short turnaround time. It was like two months. So that there was, there was another challenge right there to really sit down and think about what am I going to do? And I ended up creating kind of like an immersive experience. Uh, the name of my show is called Serenata, and that means to serenade. Um, I, you, the basis of my whole show was um, one of my illustrations that I, I like that I created. It's called uh, Infinite Roses, which is a, a rose illustration, but that's created with one single line. And so it could just keep going on forever. And as you know, with the line, unless it has points, it could go infinitely to the left, to the right, up or down or at any angle. Um, and we just kind of created this. We really, uh, I say we because uh, Susie helped me so much, you know, it's just going back and forth with her of like, what should we do? What should we do? And um, how are we going to kind of be true to ourselves, you know, and really take advantage of this opportunity? Um and so we went back to just where we're comfortable and the whole rose illustration was created because of her. You know, I, I have this habit of constantly writing her name and in cursive as well. And so it, I, I start the rose illustration with the lowercase s and then I build on from there. Um, 
And so she's like, let's just let's do something around the roses thing. I think it's something that's relative to everybody and that's easy for everybody to understand. But at the same time, it's it's you, it's us. And so cool, you know, we came up with the concept of serenata, which means to serenade. And we focused in on, um, you know, that image of like the, the guy going up to the woman's balcony and really bringing like an old mariachi band or, or a band with them and singing, you know, sad love songs until she turns on her, her light and she comes out to, to her balcony. Um, we kind of based our all the whole concept around that uh, and just made it really traditional and Mexican to my whole family got involved. You know, my mom helped my mom and my sisters helped out with uh, making tamales and like all types of other Mexican food so they could be serving everybody. And that was an amazing experience just to see um, all the love that I received, you know, from like friends and family, like so many people came out. And at the same time, um, a lot of people from, Inglewood, the business owners, like they were happy to see uh, a Latino, you know, showing work and represent that was actually from Inglewood showing work at this event um, or for the overall art walk. And so I met a lot of great people. And again, art, it, it helped me generate a bunch of business leads from there. <laughs> George, I have so much scribbled down here in all that you said. I have written down uh, focusing on your intuition and making some gut decisions and the importance of that in your work and in your creativity and the idea that graffiti and math have to go together. I never, never put those two things together. I love that. And then I also love the fact that you said yes to the art show before you were ready and that that was kind of a leap that you took creatively, but obviously there was, uh, the, the process was really important and your whole family got involved and the beautiful story behind it. So it's, it's yeah, there's so much in what you just said. I love that. In just looking at the time, we have two final questions for you. So I guess the, the first question is, what is your advice to those who are trying to find their own design style? Yeah, I mean, I thought about this and honestly, the way I like to think that I found my style is really honing in on my heritage, you know, on where I come from um, and my loved ones. Like I think about my family and their background and the stories that I heard growing up and visiting, you know, Mexico with my family, like all, all these little collective memories and just really honing in on that because that's what makes you true, right? That's what makes you like you and unique. Um, you know, of course, like I, I'm a student, I'm a student of design. I'm a student of like, you know, graffiti up until this day, like that never changes. I'm constantly paying attention to what's going on. Even the smallest scribbles on the streets, like I don't forget certain names and 10 years from now, you see them doing amazing things. Um, and as well as with designers. So yeah, that's all I can really think is just really hone in on like your, your heritage, your background, and try to remember what you used to do as a kid, where, where places you went, the things that you liked, um, because that that's what makes you you now. Um, don't it's so hard not to compare yourself to people. And I feel like in the last few years, like, you know, working for myself, that's something that like I I fight against still sometimes, uh, but not as much, you know. Instead, I look and I congratulate those people, you know, and especially like the people around you that are winning, like really just showing them love, supporting them 
And because it's really easy to feel some sort of like envy, right? Even if it's like innocent, like you're just like, oh, I'm jealous. Like you, you got a cool studio. Oh, I'm jealous you got that job. Like don't feel jealousy, you know, feel proud that you even know this person. Um, and I think the more you kind of start instilling these little habits, the, the better um, you start focusing on the positive things about you, right? And you want to let those things shine through. I, yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. I love that simultaneously kind of anchoring yourself and knowing who you are in your past while simultaneously growing and being open to learning constantly and, and yeah, and just appreciating all the, yeah. all the cool stuff around you. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So the final question we have for you, and it's a bit of a tradition uh, when we talk to people who, who are all about type is if you could choose only one typeface to use for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? <laughs> That's so tricky. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, condensed sans serif fonts. Um, I, I like the concept or the idea of like a type being able to stretch, be stretched like as tall as a skyscraper. Um, but I think I'm gonna be a little selfish on this one. and just kind of nominate, you know, my handwriting. Um, if I could, you know, use one thing for the rest of my life, it would be my handwriting. It's something that I take a lot of pride in, in and it's something that I get a lot of like, um, you know, when people see me do it, they're just like mind blown. Like, how can you do that? Like, how do you do it? These, these, these letters, like I've never seen an S be done like that or a G or whatever it might be. Um, and it's something that, um, it reminds me of being in high school. And the reason I got into it was because there was this girl in my class that would receive letters from her brother who was in jail. He was a tattoo artist, but he would write these like beautiful letters, you know, that were all done in script. And I would just sit there and really look at every single letter, not even so much read them, you know, I was just look at every single letter, the way they're connected, the way he would you know, shade them and all of that. And just, I told myself, like, I want to do this and I want to be really good at it. And so I just, I do, I practice so much, you know, and it's one of those things where like, I can, I can fill an entire page, I can put my pen down and never have to lift it up just solely by doing cursive, you know, and including flourishes and all of that stuff. So um, I think that that's what I would be, I would be my, my cursive. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, George, for being here with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear your stories and hear what you do and how you do it. And we're so appreciative that you made this time. Yeah. And thank you. It's been an honor being on here. <laughs>